Who's been married in here the longest? Was that film touching or what? Okay, Brother Larry and Miss Darlene, how many years? 56 years. Can anyone in here beat 56 years old? How many of you in here are younger than 56 years old? I'm not trying to say y'all are old, old. They've been married longer than most of us in here have been alive. Now, I've been alive longer than 56 years. We salute you. We congratulate you. And we look to you for wisdom and, and for instruction in the future. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your word and your time and your, your love toward us in this time. And we give you the glory and the honor and all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Last week, I laid down a biblical foundation for this series on relationships. In particular, a foundation for the relationship of marriage, which we, out of the four weeks, we'll probably cover three weeks will be about marriage. And from our text last week in Genesis 2 and Matthew chapter 19, we saw three points that I'm going to go over just briefly here. First of all, that marriage is of divine origin. It's not our idea. It's not something for convenience or for a tax break or whatever reason. God ordained marriage in the very beginning. He ordained Adam and Eve. He ordained man and woman. He ordained one man and one woman, not one man and three women, not one man and one man, not one woman and one woman, but a man and a woman for marriage. And we went over that in detail. We went over that it's meant to be permanent, that it's not a 90-day contract, it's not a 90-day covenant with, with, with a, like a balloon note, after five years, we'll reassess it and then re-up again. It is a permanent institution, a covenant relationship that we enter into for life. And we also went over that the fact that it is the cornerstone of an orderly society. God deals in three institutions, the church, the family, and the government. And the church and the family are so closely tied for as the family goes, so goes the church. And it should be as the church goes, so goes the government. Now, we also went over last week that all of these things have been skewed. They have been uh, changed or, 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 or just kind of tweaked by cultures and by, by governments and by politicians so that they can fit man's idea of what marriage should be. Man's idea of what is right and what is wrong. But God's original plan, as it's seen in Matthew 19, was for a man to leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. And those two shall become what? One flesh. And that's God's plan. And man can alter it all he wants to, but it's not going to change the truth. We stated last week that in Matthew 19, they came to Jesus to try to trip him up, to try to trick him and to get him to say something wrong so that they could charge him before the Sanhedrins. These were religious folk. These were the, the Pharisees, the legalists, the people, who, the religious people who, who, who were supposedly close to God. And he told them, he said, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your heart. 
And he said that was the only reason. Now, listen to me. The, 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 the premise of, I shared last week, that if I give 50% and June gives 50%, that we'll have a marriage that will survive and it will work, is false. It takes 100% on my part and 100% on her part. Thus, the title of this series, All In. I've got to give 100%. She has to give 100%. Each one of us in all of our relationships, and we're going to go over that more in weeks to come, have to give 100% on both sides of the equation, if you would. We went over last week also that sin is sin, and we call sin, sin. We like to categorize sin, that your sin is worse than my sin. That their sin, oh my goodness, they're doing far worse than us. No, they're not. You're just as much a sinner as they are. We're all sinners, okay? And I shared with you whether it's, whether it's the, the sin of, whether it's a sexual sin, a sin of homosexuality, whether it's adultery, if it's stealing, if it's lying, if it's gossiping, if it's backbiting, if it's anger, if it's unforgiveness, if it's living together. How about that one? Let's talk about that one for a second. There's all kinds of discussions on these things today. You know, it's, it, there, there's a thing of a, of a spiritual union that's put together. I'm not going to get into that argument with you. But the reality is that God's plan is for us to be married, okay? And for us as Christians not to judge other people. You know, we've had people here in this church even now that may be living together let me tell you something, church. I'm going to stand before you right now as your pastor. When June and I were in our 20s before we got married, we lived together for one year. I'm not proud of that. But I want to tell you something. We were there. It's far be for me to judge you in any way. Okay? That's between you and God. When the Holy Spirit deals with you. I remember one night waking up, you know, in one of those half-dream states. And I remember waking up and hearing my father's voice say, my father, my earthly father, say, marry that girl. And I remember waking her up, and she was on, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I said, we're getting married. And the next morning, she said, what, what, what are you doing? We're getting married. I said, we're getting married. And two weeks later, we were married. But we had lived together for one year. So far be it from me, and I hope from any of you, to judge anyone in here. Yes, we can say sin is sin. But to come down on anyone and to be on their case, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's living together, whether it's lying, whether it's cheating or stealing or whatever. And I shared with you last week, all will be welcome to walk through these doors and will receive love and understanding and acceptance here in this body of Christ. And will hear equally, whatever that sin is, will hear equally what the Word of God says about it, and then they deal in their conscience, in their heart, between God. And I will not look at you and judge you and come down upon you. I don't want to become a Pharisee. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, now with that said, I, I want you to understand something. I'm going to leave these notes for a second. Did you all see that couple up there on those screens? Did that touch your heart? Let me see your faces. Anyone, nod at me. Did that touch y'all's heart? How would you like, y'all just, y'all how many years? 
56, y'all just a few years away. How would you like to have that after being married 63 years? Come on, church. 63 years where you can hardly walk and she's saying, you're shuffling, pick up your feet, and you go to the thing. And she lays her head. June tells me that now. (laughs) And she lays her head on his shoulder. Was that precious or was that precious? Okay, guys, let me talk to you from my heart here. This isn't in the notes or the outline or anything else. It's available for all of us. It's available for us through God's principles and through the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. If that love is nourished, if that love is grown and that love is shared and put into practical application in our marriage, we can all make 63 years in our marriages. But without, as I shared last week, without Him, Without him, you've got a long, hard road to hoe. People would come into my office when I I did so much marriage counseling, it was crazy. And people would come into my office, and like I shared last week, and I would say, well, do you all ever pray together? No. Do you all ever spend time together? No. Do you all go to church? Well, no. I go by myself because he doesn't want to go. That's normally the case, guys. I'm just, men, don't, don't kill me. That's normally the case. Uh, no, he doesn't want to go, and so I go. The wife would say, well, do y'all, do y'all ever uh, sit down at the meal and bless the food with your, with your kids? No, well, we don't do that, and, and I wanted to look at him, and, and like I said last week, and I'm just joking. I wanted to say, okay, let's go outside. I'm going to shoot you right down there below the office because if you're not going to have God in your relationship and in your home, how do you think it's going to succeed? It won't succeed. It won't succeed, and, and, and you're in serious trouble. I have seen through the years that the devil who wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy, that his, two, of his, two of his main tools that he uses to destroy marriages are selfishness and pride, self-centeredness and pride. We're here in this, and the prevailing attitude today in our culture today is that we're in a marriage so that you can meet my needs I got married so June can meet my needs. What a twisted way to think of things. We got married because, first of all, I heard that voice, my daddy's voice. But, but secondly, because I wanted to bless her and because I wanted to, to be her cover and because I knew that, that it was God's plan in our lives. And she had prayed for a husband. She had prayed for someone to be married to that who would love her and, and, and treat her correctly. And but when you get married because of I want my needs met and you're here to serve me, it surely won't work. And and then secondly, pride, where people are too proud. They're too they're too headstrong. It's their will and their way and they think they've accomplished it. And we're and, and, and those are two of the, the, the main things. Oh, by the way, church, did I mention to y'all that Brother David and Miss Haley are having their, uh, their, their marriage enrichment class January 31st right here at Living Faith Church? Yeah, really? January 31st. They're in New Orleans this weekend, but I would have them raise their hand. But it starts, and, and the sign-up sheet is in the back, in, in, the, in the front, in the foyer back there, okay? Or online, or go online. It's, we have some people who signed up online right here, okay? Now, 
Today I want to go over just a few things and set this up to get into even more practical. It's going to get more and more practical until the end of the month, okay? So that hopefully these things will help you divorce-proof your marriage. I want to set some groundwork here for a second and, and, and listen to me carefully. Four facts about marriage that set a groundwork for this whole thing. Number one, you live with another imperfect person. You live with another imperfect person. Turn to somebody right now and say, I'm an imperfect person. And so are you. Okay. You live, you live with another imperfect person. Guys, that's just a fact. Okay. The second fact is that every marriage, every marriage at some time or another will have some degree of difficulty. And turn to someone and say, Houston, there will be problems. Come on. Houston, there will be problems. It's going to come. You live with another imperfect person, and, 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 and Houston, there, there, we, we, there's going to be some problems, okay? The third fact that I've noticed, and this is just a truth, guys, no matter how difficult the situation, no matter what the sin is involved, no matter what the damage has been done, no matter what is going on, you're not alone, and God wants to help you. Now turn to somebody and say, we're not alone. God, God, God wants to help us. Okay, now if you're not married, take these things and ponder them because one day when you are in a relationship, you, you think about these things. No matter how difficult, you're not alone. God wants to help you. Now here's, here's the last, the fourth fact about marriage is that most marriages don't end up in divorce because of this giant mistake mountain. Okay, this mountain of mistake. Some awful thing, okay? Simply because of that one thing, but because of years and years and years of little pebbles that are building up inside your relationship shoes. Are you with me? Years and years and years of little pebbles that eventually become a mountain and then some big thing happens and you end up in separation or in divorce. All those little hurts all those broken promises, those little lies, all of the insults, all of the hurt feelings, all of the things that damage mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And then one day, that's when the volcano, the mountain, erupts. Okay? I, I tell couples this all the time. L listen carefully. I have never seen a case of where someone told me in all of these years where they told me, Pastor, I just woke up and it was about 72 degrees and the sun was shining and it was a beautiful, crisp day. And I said, you know, today would be a good day to go out and have an affair and leave my family. Today is a good day. It's beautiful weather to go and rob a bank. Today is a very nice day. It just, it looks like it. You know what, Pastor? I think... On January 1st, 2015, I'm going to start looking at pornography. No, it doesn't happen that way. It's years and years of little pebbles building up inside your relational shoes. And pretty soon it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then it starts hurting and it starts aching. And then before you know it, you're in trouble. 
Read with me now in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read it from the New King James. You're going to see it on the screens in NIV because I want you to see just two different translations. It gives you a little bit better meaning, understanding of some of these words, okay? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's actually start in verse 20, leading into verse 22. Giving thanks always for all things. This is instructions from the Apostle Paul to the, to the church there in, in Ephesus. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, now here comes the most politically incorrect the thing in today's society and our culture. You're gonna, some of you may want to throw daggers at me, ladies. Listen, this is the Apostle Paul speaking in the word of God. Listen, and I'm going to explain what it means. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands now, it didn't say subject in the New King James. Let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, if you notice, there's three verses to the wife there. Now, listen to how many verses to us men. Men, raise your hand. Okay, come on. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and give himself, gave himself for her, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. Now listen, here it is, Matthew 19. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love, love your wife as Christ loved the church and laid himself down for the church, his body, and died for the church, his body. And wives, so respect your husbands. Every man in here, look at me right now two main directives in this passage that are exposed in this passage. Gentlemen, friends, brothers, listen to me. Listen to me. Two main directives. First of all, the first one is that us build a God-centered relationship through strong spiritual leadership. Strong spiritual leaderships. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head, the leader of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit 
to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Oh boy, it's in popular today. Men, it is our job to lead our wives as scary a thought as that is. It started in Genesis chapter 2 where God created who? Adam first and then said, it is not good that man should be alone, but he needs a helper and I will create, I will give him that helper who is comparable to him and I will take a rib out of his side. Woman coming from man. Man is created and the first thing that he sees is God. Adam sees God. The next thing he hears from God, here's what your job is. So Adam starts with his job. Eve is created from Adam. The first thing Eve sees is God. The second thing she sees is Adam. And her job is to help Adam. Ladies, don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible says. So men, because of that, are very work-oriented, very goal-oriented, and very conquest-oriented. Ladies, because of that, the first two things they see are in relationship involvement, are very relational, very emotional, and think differently, and are directed differently, and have different ways than we do, okay? And it is because of man, it is because of us, abdicating our, is, is that the right word? Giving up our responsibility, our God-given role and place that women have been forced to, figuratively speaking, put on the pants. And it's wrong. It's not God's way. It is for us to lead. It is for us to cover spiritually. It is for us men to provide spiritual leadership in our home. And we're not doing it, guys. I'm not talking about y'all in here. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm talking to, in general, men in general, we're not doing it properly. All of us could improve in that area. Every one of us men. Strong spiritual leadership is the answer. Okay, let's go back to Genesis. You say, wait, it, that, that Eve, oh, I want, I'll wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to slap Eve. No, you better slap Adam. Adam was right there next to her. He knew just as much as her. And where was he when, he, when, when, when she took that, that first bite of that, of, that, of, of that apple from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He was right there. And why did he say, whoa, Eve, stop, okay? And when she gave it to him, it says in Scripture, to eat, and he partook of it. Why did he partake of it? Why didn't Adam say, no, Eve, we've done wrong. We have sinned here. So this just isn't all on Eve here, guys. It's us, men. We need to provide spiritual leadership for our families and for our wives. And listen, newsflash, newsflash, church, listen to me carefully. Ladies are starving for this. Not ladies, don't punch your husband right now. June, don't throw anything at me. We, 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 please, just sit quietly. Let, let me do the talking for y'all, okay? Ladies are starving for this, for spiritual leadership, leadership of any kind. But most of us men are one of three things. We're either totally ignorant of that because we never were taught it, we never saw it, or we're completely fearful of it because what we don't understand, we're afraid of, right? And we tend to shy away from it. I saw a bunch of hands went up on that one. Okay, 
So we tend to shy away from it because we're afraid of it. We don't know how to do that. We don't know what, you know, all that kind of, or we run from it. We're rebellious. I'm not doing that. That's just, that's crazy. It's up to her. She can't, we never saw it modeled in our family. We, how many of you men in here took a course ever in high school or any kind of schooling on spiritual leadership in marriage? I don't see a hand in this church going up. Not a one. Oh, we took courses on being mentally astute. We took courses on how to further our career. We took courses on, on how to be physically fit and mentally fit, but not a one on how to be a spiritual leader to your wife and to your children. 1 Peter 3, 7. Listen to what this scripture says. 1 Peter 3, 7. This, this, this is real cool. I'm going to read this one in NIV because it's where I got it more quick, easy to move to here. Listen to this. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, actually let me start in the beginning. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of the wife when they see her purity and reverence in, their, in your life. Your beauty shouldn't come from only outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing gold and jewelry. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. This is to you, ladies, the unfaded beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord or Master. You are her daughter if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now listen, husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Dwell with them in understanding it says in the King James, New King James, giving honor to her as the weaker vessel. Does that mean weak morally? Does that mean weak mentally? Does that mean that ladies are weak, like they're these weaklings? No, 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 no. All that scripture, I studied it. Believe me, I checked on that word. That Greek word there just means physically weaker. That's all it means. It means that we're supposed to be stronger physically than ladies are. And today, I don't even know if that's even true. But listen, listen, listen to me. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. We men are fearful of responsibility. We are fearful, including me, all of us. And it says that we should dwell with them in understanding. That word there is gnosis. It means knowledge, consideration, and awareness of them expressed in participation in their lives, honoring them, lifting them up, and respecting their opinions and their desires. Physically weaker, yes, but only physically, not mentally or morally, and respecting them as co-heirs of God if you want your prayers to be answered. How many men in here would like to pray and know that you have at least some shot at getting them answered? Raise your hand. Well, you honor your wife and live with her, dwell with her in understanding and consideration of her and lift her up and pray for her and spiritually lead her and your prayers will be heard. Okay? That's what Scripture says. But if you don't, they won't even be heard. Let me ask you all a question here. This is ladies and men. 
How many of you in here really think that you know your spouse? Raise your hand. I really know my spouse. Let me throw some questions out at you. Do you know what your spouse's favorite color is? Do you know what they like to read? Do you know what your spouse's favorite dessert is? Do you know who your spouse's real hero is? Do you know what your spouse thinks of themselves? It's getting deeper and deeper now. Do you know what your spouse's dreams and goals are? Do you know what your spouse's biggest disappointment is in life? Do you know what really happened to your spouse when they were growing up? Do you know what your spouse's biggest fear is? Let me give you a little exercise here. Listen listen to this. Go home this week between now and next Sunday. And write down on a piece of paper and give that piece of paper a copy of it to your spouse. And put on there, what is your biggest joy? What is your biggest disappointment? What is your biggest fear? And what is your biggest dream? And then sit down with them about the end of the week and see what kind of conversation that opens up. You talk about get real. It'll open up some doors. You know, all of these little things that we talk about are, are, are kind of, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. Remember when, when, when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon in 1969? Most of you are too young to even remember when that happened, but I remember listening to it on the radio. And when he touched foot on the moon, he said, one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. If you try these things in your relationship with your spouse, in your marriage, you will be taking one small step for Joe or for Mary. And you will be taking one giant leap for Joe and Mary's marriage. Come to church together. Men, bring your family to church and your spouse to church. Bless the food at the table. Start a little devotional. How about bringing some godly music into your home? Pray for your family. Pray for your wife, men. Now, wives, after you get up off the floor when this starts happening, (laughs) you have to trust God enough to follow him. You have to trust God enough to say, he's let me down five times, but God, I trust you that this time it won't happen. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust you, not necessarily him. I'm going to trust you, God, that you are bigger and that you're more powerful than that man is. I had a friend on the railroad that I saw this week. He used to say, hey, guys, he'd speak with a Cajun accent. He'd say, yeah, guys, he said, I I make my wife get down on her knees. And we say, yeah, Terry, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, no, no, she gets down on her knees before me, he said, he said, she gets down and looks under that bed and says, you better come out from under that bed, you no good coward. <laughs> hey, did I mention to y'all that Dave and Haley are having a United Enrichment class, January 31st, right here at Living Faith. The second big directive from that passage is deal with your self or selfishness problem. 
Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Submission, giving up. Christ is our pattern. Husbands, to be servant leaders to your wives. Lowering yourself, putting your desires ahead of hers. Oh, oh, I mean, is that, did, no? Putting her desires ahead of yours. Thinking of her before yourself and others. Cherishing her. Giving up. Giving up your time, your wants, your will for her. Okay? Christ died for the church. And we should be willing to die to self, as in Luke 9, to pick up our cross for our wives. And wives, you should reverence and respect your husband, even as Sarah calling him Lord. Now, don't start calling me Lord and Master, Gene. I, I, don't, I don't want that. Okay? But I want to tell every one of you men in here, nothing. Listen, um, every one of you ladies in here, nothing, nothing will cause a better response in your wife or in your husband than men if you will lay your selfish self down for your wife and start considering her. And ladies, if you will start respecting your husband. If we men will give them something to respect and they start respecting us and showing us respect, we will start responding to that. It's amazing. I've seen it and it works. You know, men, if we will just, we'll just quit spending all our time and all our money on our toys and our boats and our cars and our guitars and everything else, and <laughs> that's our thing. Say, one more, more, one more guitar. Allison, you, I'm in big trouble, okay? And, and, and so, you know, all of our stuff and start considering our wives. And wives, if you will start respecting your husband and treating him like he's the finished product, he might start acting like that. Are you with me, guys? It's hard, but it's got to start somewhere. Now, does it start with her? Look, when June starts, I'm going to start. That's the that's prevailing attitude. When she starts, I'm going to start. You start doing it, and then I'm going to start doing it. No, 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 no. I start my 100%, and then she starts on her part in her 100%. Are you all with me now? This is not rocket science, Okay. And it changes lives and it changes marriages. Ephesians 5, there are four things that we see there from Christ on how we should love our spouse as Jesus loved the church. First of all, sacrificially, he sacrificed himself. Ephesians 5, 25, he sacrificed, he gave himself up, he died for the church. We should love our spouses sacrificially. Secondly, redemptively, he brought the church to God. He brought his body to God redemptively on the cross. And men, we should bring our wives and our children to God and to the cross through strong spiritual leadership. Thirdly, unconditionally, Ephesians 5, 2 and 8, stop being a conditional love person. I'll love you if you meet my needs. I'll love you if you meet my standards. Here's my standards, and you've got to come and meet that. And then lastly, love consistently. John 13, 1, having loved his own, Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He loved them to the end, not just after winning them over, but he loved them to the end. Did I mention that David and Haley are having a class January 31st? 